0: Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well being. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Ask Dr. Ben. We are on segment two of the top 10 signs of aging, what procedures to avoid, and what really works. And before I jump right in, you know, as always, if you have concerns about your health or family or friends, I am always available to my peeps, and you're included. Guess what? As a listener of Ask Dr. Ben, you're included as one of my peeps. So, Dr. Ben at osmosisbeauty.com, Dr. Ben at osmosisbeauty.com will get you to the guy who can help you out with a lot of unique things. Last week, I covered digestive malaise issues at number 10, all the digestive issues that we get as we get older. I covered hair loss, although a little bit uh, sporadically, and increased hair on the body and elsewhere on the face, and gray hair. I covered number eight, which was intimacy and libido issues. Number seven was joints, aches, and pains. Number six was the immune system decline that we seem to be facing. And I'm ready to start in at number five, but I wanted to go back. I could not remember the name of the medication that reduces testosterone activation at the cellular level, and that is Propecia or finasteride. And I am not a fan, not a fan. I think it affects your body negatively. And so just wanted to recap that because I was having trouble recalling the name of it. Okay, so we're moving into number five for things that happen to us, top 10 signs as we age. I'm a big believer in aging gracefully, but not going down without a fight. In other words, if there are things I can do to stay young, feel young, operate from a more youthful way, if there are things I can do to reverse aging physically, I'm going to do them. Now, you're going to hear me Kind of go against several things in the industry today because I'm speaking my truth and you don't have to necessarily believe what I'm saying, but I'm watching these outcomes and seeing some of the changes from these movie stars that result from this chronic misuse of a variety of things. And to be honest, it's a little scary because you think, oh, this won't be too bad, you know, and of course you go to somebody's office and they're like, yeah, this isn't bad at all. And then you have something happen to you that's not recoverable, like a permanent scar or collapse of the skin, orange peel looking skin. Or Anyway, we're going to get into skin. I'm going to try not to make this session an hour like I did last week, but let us jump right in into number five, mental clarity, focus, and memory. So let's start from a bigger picture. Like I I'm not telling you I have a solution for Alzheimer's. What I'm telling you is I have a suspicion that there's a pathogen associated with Alzheimer's and it's worthwhile treating. We have a protocol for Alzheimer's. You can see that on our website or you can write me at Ben at OsmosisBeauty.com. I get a ton of emails from you guys that say, Ask Dr. Ben, and I don't blame you because I can't even say it right. It gets to me, by the way. If you put OsmosisBeauty.com, you could put flippity jibbit and it'll still make it to somebody on our staff. So mental clarity. First of all, you know, one of the beauties of aging is wisdom. And of course, it's one of the underappreciated aspects of our elderly population. But the downside of what I'm seeing right now is that the poisoning of the planet And I'm talking about through pesticides, through food preservatives, through fluoride in our drinking water, through bleach in our drinking water, through medications that distort our hormones and our neurotransmitters, through malnourishment that affect the production of neurotransmitters, through, I'm trying to give you all these environmental reasons why the brain is challenged. And one of the ways the brain is challenged is it can be a virus. So I'm not saying all senile dementia is viral. In fact, I, think, I do think Alzheimer's has a viral component to it. And so I'll try to catch it early, check out our protocols, you know, let me know how we can best help. But in some cases, dementia is also related to a virus. And then in other cases, it's just somebody ready to check out from life. And you're not going to stop that from happening. And then in other cases, like I'm saying, it's the poisoning and the effect of that long-term fluoride use, which does affect memory, which does affect creativity, which does affect someone's energy. And so I'm a big fan of pulling fluoride out of our drinking water. I think it's having an impact already on society. Really classic movie, Idiocracy. Watch that movie if you've not seen it. There's a telling aspect to it. Seems oddly, oddly close to the direction we're headed right now. And anyway, it's also funny. So, you know, how do we improve mental clarity on osmosis? Well, I do believe in uh, the if you don't use it, you lose it for your brain. So, you know, for a lot of people, they may be in a job that is very routine based, doesn't involve a lot of mental gymnastics And I think that can lead to a decline. You know, you you really want to try to focus in on as much as you can on, uh, you know, using your critical thinking skills and whether that's crossword puzzles or Joku? (laughs) <laughs> I can't even remember. I don't do that one. And then, you know, any other mental activities. I think there's, there's some good that can come from that for sure. Obviously, good deep conversation with others is always good. You know, one of the things I lamented about last week was that all our kids are on phones now not having conversation. I think that certainly if, if that trend continues into their adulthood could potentially lead to some issues there. So, you know, at Osmosis, we, we have a product that increases atp which is great for the brain and so if somebody's not a big exerciser or if they've got some malnourishment or just in general they're not very active it's called collagen activator because the atp also activates collagen but that could be a nice supplement for somebody who's got just a generalized you know mental apathy if you will so that's one. Another one that's big for me is ageless vitality. That's something I take every day, twice a day. So in general, uh, I take ageless vitality, one of my elixirs. I take emotional well-being just for any... Because one of the things that emotional well-being does, because I'm, I'm, I'm basically joyful all day, but uh, one of the things that emotional well-being does is it has a frequency that interferes with the, any negative thoughts impact on the tissue So I just take it sort of in case of that. I think there's some benefit to it. It also has frequencies that excite serotonin and some other uh, neurotransmitters. Oxytocin, believe it or not, it excites. So, you know, we haven't tested that. But based on the success rate and the clinical trials we've done on our other elixirs, I can tell you it's very well received and it's worth trying. But ageless vitality, emotional well-being, hormone relief, I take sugar detox because I'm still taking my sugar more often than I should. And it helps with focus. Ageless Vitality helps with focus. Collagen Activator helps with focus. Exercise, by the way, is going to help with focus. I don't know if any of these supplements they're claiming with ginkgo biloba or anything have a tremendous impact, but, you know, if your intuition draws you into trying those, certainly add those to your list and... That's how we are impacting it. So most important message here is not all dementia-related symptoms are just because, genetic or otherwise, they're environmental. And a lot of times if they're environmental there's a pathogen, then I highly advise taking our immune defense elixir, which is designed to kill off any pathogens and Protocols vary. I might also add that there's a seeming improvement in mental focus associated with recovery, which is again our microbiome replacement. And there's a ton of fantastic omegas, omega 3, 6, 7, and 9 are all in there at perfect balance levels. And uh, so it's a great omega supplement, which is good for brain health. And then I think you're gonna find that my new Regenerate coming out soon actually has some great amino acid blends in it that are going to help brain health amongst your collagen and your liver, and that can be beneficial to you as well. So that pretty much covers what we do on, on the mental level. I mentioned already to do exercise, um, you know, eating good foods, uh, You believe it or not, definitely can reduce cloudiness in, the, in your thinking. So uh, trying to get your diet clean is a great idea for a lot of these things. All right. Number four, number four I have as muscle weakness and atrophy. So I'd mentioned before in the joints, aches, pains conversation about how if you don't use your muscles, you lose them. And it's so important to not just get lower body exercise, which could be as little as walking, but I love the elliptical for a uh, lower body exercise. Not as big a fan of running only because of the, the trauma that it often can inflict, but certainly swimming and other. Swimming is actually fantastic for all your muscles. I'm not a big fan of it personally, but there are definitely people who, especially if they already have joint problems, they can get great exercise from that. Rowing is another great one where you can get both lower and upper body. And then I do push-ups and pull-ups. So to whatever degree you can get in some push-ups and pull-ups, you're going to get ab strengthening from that. You're going to get core strengthening from that. You're going to get lats and serratus strengthening like a lot of muscle groups biceps triceps and so you want to keep those muscles going and you know the body does very well with it now i also believe my ageless vitality elixir is phenomenal in this regard again has the frequency of hgh people who start for the first time ageless vitality and hormone relief i would very much encourage you to go check your height before you start your your current height, because a lot of people are shrinking, they don't know it. So they might think, Oh, I'm still five eight, and they're actually now five, six and a half. So go check your current height. Get on those two for three months, twice a day, and check your height again. And you tell me if you don't grow three quarters of an inch, because I did. And I used to be five nine and three quarters. I always was very like wanting to get to five ten. Of course I was really wanting to get six foot. Never happened. But I always wanted to get 5'10", never did, throughout all my youth, into my 30s and into my 40s. And then, lo and behold, today, no shrinking. My brother has shrunk at least an inch. I want to say he's shrunk two inches now, and he's three years younger than me. And no shrinking. I gained three quarters of an inch. I'm still 5'10 and a half. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, hard to explain. I think it has a lot to, to do with spinal balance. Not really sure to be honest with you, but it is obviously a plus for a lot of you, and you should definitely check it out because it's one of those unexplainables. Like, what do you mean you're now five ten and a half? Like how is that even possible? I don't know for sure. <laughs> it might has to do with disc health like i I don't know if I have frequencies in there that will affect a disc health anyway. so also with muscle, you know, if you're not eating properly, you have to realize that everyone has a genetic code for a certain amount of muscle. And let's just say there's probably eight different subtypes of muscle within the human population. So, you can be middle ground or, you know, s- several layers of muscle mass per height. And this um, what I'm talking about is natural muscle density and presence. So a certain amount of weight of your body weight is muscle that is going to vary genetically pretty significantly. And- So you've got to accept that, right? Some of you, I believe like the terms are like ectomorph and mesomorph, and it's just describing that level of muscle that you can expect. You're not going to change that. So if you're someone who naturally doesn't have a whole lot of bulk, you're probably not going to be able to affect that too much. Although, of course, with intense protein and and workout regimens, you can have some impact on it. But the main focus here is about aging, right? And not atrophying and using those muscles and getting you know, getting all your muscles involved, your delts, your deltoids, so your shoulder muscles and everything involved because that having core muscle strength does so much for preventing spinal movement, spondylolisthesis, you know, where the spine slides forward. Like a lot of these spinal issues can be connected to paraspinal weakness. You're not strengthening your core muscles. So I can't emphasize enough that everyone just needs to do it. And if you're someone who's like, I hate exercise, change that mentality i don't know what you got to do to change it but i promise you you'll be so much happier at 80 than you would have been uh, had you just stayed away from exercise for all these upcoming years and and for you youthful folk who are listening in their 20s possibly teens going huh you know when do i need to think about this well typically your activity level is really good into your 30s and then that's when We start to see, you know, the job requirements and the other excuses slow us down and you just can't let that happen. In fact, exercise is so fantastic for the immune system and your energy levels and your mental clarity levels that it just should be part of it. If you're somebody who has fibromyalgia, we spoke earlier about that. I have a protocol for fibromyalgia. It's typically caused by Epstein-Barr virus, and we have a great antiviral in the form of immune defense. So there's a protocol for that. And then other people, there's hormone alterations. So for example, you might have mercury poisoning causing low testosterone. That could affect your muscle volume. Yeah, I think the other thing to say here is... A lot of people think atrophy is all about muscle, but a big part of atrophy is also about your fat pad. And we're going to get into that next, but I just want you to think about it when you talk, think about like you think about your grandparents and you think about how thin their arm really is. Well, yes, a chunk of that, maybe half of that is muscle atrophy, but the other half of that thinning of their girth of their legs and arms and and of course, even on the face, we'll get into is fat pad. And so recovery is our fat pad replacement. It works on the inner fat of the butt. So it makes the butt firmer and more stout. This is not about putting subcutaneous fat. That's the cellulite fat does not do that. It works on the inner, like interwoven fat, the marbling fat, which is your fat pads. You have them in your extremities, you have them in your buttocks, you have them in your face, you have them on your neck, like you have a ton of fat pads and they tend to decline over time, a lot of times related to sugar and alcohol consumption. So you want to focus on that. The fat pad protocol is one tablespoon twice a day for anywhere between six and eight bottles. The average is about seven bottles, takes about three and a half months. And the effects are noticeable. And there's a strength to that. So when we talk about muscle weakness, one of the things I want to bring your attention to is it is true when you increase the, your fat content in your body, and we're going to dive into this interesting new working theory I have here in a second. But when you increase the fat content in your body, you will increase muscle strength. Now, I think there's a misunderstanding about glycogen. So when you eat glucose, your body stores it as glycogen unless it's toxic glucose which is oxidized glucose which is white sugar stay away from that like every time you want sweets just think about only buying the sweets that used cane sugar or unprocessed sugar or you know other forms like honey or molasses or other you know non-modified forms so much different for your body your body handles that so much better but I, what I wanted to say here was a lot of people think well, a lot of people go on ketogenic diets where they don't eat carbohydrates, and I'm not a fan. Personally, when I tried that, I got really weak. I couldn't exercise the same. And I'm, I'm going to explain this to you here more clearly in a minute, but the, the bottom line is there's a method to your body's madness. It it has a particular amount of glycogen that it's capable of storing, and no more. Like, uh, this is this is a secret to diabetes. This is a secret to... muscle strength. And, you know, so if you're thinking about, well, how can I get stronger? Well, for example, in a woman, if you have 18% body fat, you have the right amount of body fat where your strength is going to be pretty close to its maximum strength. It's possible if you gained another... 9%, you might get stronger like you might lift more weights but who wants to be 27% body fat, right? So, uh and the same thing is true with men. I think men can see their muscles, they'll perform better in weightlifting and any other exercise where they can measure their strength by being up in their fat weight because the fat will tend to marble the muscles so it's an instant source of energy that's more than their glycogen source of energy. So, to explain that a little better, you know your body's number one fuel source there's number one energy source for your body fat okay breaks down fat much higher level of energy than from glycogen glycogen is number 2 so that is glucose being stored in your muscles and that storage has a limitation to it and i believe that as long as you have normal glycogen levels having increased glycogen levels does not help in fact your body has a limit to how much glycogen it'll store and it's sort of a set limit. By my estimation, we're looking at about 10 pounds. So you can, well, I'm going to get into weight here. So let's just jump into that there. But I would argue with you, if you're really trying to build strength from a performance perspective, yes, getting a little extra weight. So let's say you're front, your offensive lineman in football. Yeah, OK, there's an argument for it. But no, building your glycogen past a certain point, unnecessary and unhelpful. It will show up as weight gain on the scale, and that will lead me to this next phase here of discussion, which is weight gain, stubborn weight gain, and one of the, uh, it's number three on my top 10 signs of aging, and let's just jump right in. So this is a working theory right now. I'm feeling really confident in it. It's, it's, it's got to play out, but uh, here's the bottom line. When I looked at the literature and the research, what I took away from it was Your body is designed to survive, okay? It's going to survive starvation as best it can. And depending where you live, i.e. if you're an Eskimo, you are going to tend to eat a lot more fatty foods, create a lot more fat on your body so that you are warmer. And in those times of lean eating, which is, you know, the the severe winter months of Alaska or something – you want to be able to access the energy that comes from your stored fat. This is why bears load up, right? Before they go into hibernation, they're trying to add on to their stored fat. Now, I believe that your body... Okay, so just always put in your brain fat number one, glycogen number two, protein number three. Your body will tear down your muscle last. That is worst case scenario in a starvation event. But... Fat is different than glycogen because there is a limit to the amount of glycogen your muscles are going to hold. At some point, your body's going to say, I don't need any more sugar. And depending on where your microbiome is at, in other words, when your DNA has got a perfect microbiome in place, which again, I suggest to you will occur for you over three months on the recovery, osmosis recovery protocol, then your body will literally reject Sugar and carbohydrates. Doesn't that sound too good to be true? But it will reject sugar and carbohydrates if you've maxed out your glycogen stores. Now, most of you do not want to max out your glycogen stores because I estimated that's about 10 pounds of weight. But what I really got into when I looked at this weight gain thing was I was like always wondering, and I'm sure you're always wondering, how does my child eat? so much sugar and junk and not get fat. Now, yeah, it's not true for everybody. And yes, it's true that over time, and some kids that time comes in their teens and some kids it comes in their 20s and some kids not till their 30s that they can get away with eating all that junk and still not get fat. And here's how I view it. Your body looks at glycogen source differently. And yes, it's true that glycogen can be broken down through a certain number of pathways into fatty acids, but that's for energy purposes. It's not so that it can say, oh, I'm going to turn that glycogen into fat. That's a leap we make that I think has never been verified. You know, there's no, there's a study that shows, yes, glycogen can become fatty acids. And then someone made the leap and said, oh yeah, and fatty acids can, then, can be, you know, through, is it lipogenesis, form into fat globules that store in the fat cells. It's physiologically possible but as always, with my holistic mindset, I revert back to the AI level of intelligence that our human body has. Why would it go to all the trouble to break down glycogen for energy and then go, oh, change my mind. I don't need the energy. I'm gonna now take the fatty acid and make it back into fat. It doesn't happen, guys. I promise you, not a problem, not something to think about. So that, that's sort of an old wives' tale of, hey, sugar turns into fat too. Not true. So imagine that you have glycogen stores You have fat stores. So how do you grow your fat stores with fat? And I'm going to make a real caveat here. Your fat cells grow from two different ways. They grow from more fat and they grow from toxins because your fat cells are a detox center for your body, like your liver. So toxic sugar, like, you know, white sugar, a lot of times will store in the liver and cause issues – with the glycogen storage in the liver as opposed to storing in the muscle. It's not not a preferred source for muscle, but I assume some of it makes it there. So again, you really want to focus your your sugar intake on using natural sugars. But if you can imagine you have a set point, okay, you have a happy place. Your body likes X amount of glycogen and it has X amount of fat where it's comfortable. Now, I put that number at 18% for women, which is what a lot of studies suggest, and 9% for men. That is baseline. So I know a lot of you guys are like, whoa, 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 at 9%, I don't have a six pack. Yeah, well, I got some news for you. Your body was not built on six pack mentality. Now, if you want a six pack, you got to get to 6% in general. And 6% is the lowest percent of fat you can have without distorting your hormones and reducing your health. And what you're going to hear from all the bodybuilders and, and exercise fanatics is when they drop below 6%, they have massive hunger because your hunger is a tell. You know, this whole thing about eating is interesting because... When you crave certain foods, there's a reason why you crave them, unless your microbiome is distorted, which for a lot of us it is, unless there's an emotional attachment to food, but for a lot of us it is. So if you know that you're pretty well balanced and you're you're not letting your self-hatred or your anger towards somebody or some other emotional disturbance trigger some food craving, if you're not letting that happen, then... Your food cravings oftentimes are a tell of what you need. And so when these guys get below 6% body fat, and that's what the super shredded bodybuilder competition level of shred people get to, probably 4 or 5%, they're starving. They're miserable. Their immune system's not working right. Their hormones are off. And it affects libido. It affects impotency. All those things that you thought, oh, yeah, well, isn't testosterone supposed to help that? No, balance is what helps that. For women, that number is 15%. So once you get below 15% body fat, you start distorting your hormones. You start seeing masculinization effects like facial hair, increased muscle, but sort of a manly appearing muscle pattern and oily skin is another example. But yeah, so 15% is fine and 15%... And a woman, most typically, and this is going to be on average, but almost everybody, is going to have a very svelte figure. They may or may not have a six-pack. You know, that's not really how women were designed. So to get to six-pack, you might find yourself having to get to 12%, but that's going to come at a price. You're supposed to have voluptuous curves. You're supposed to be a little bit softer on the edges. That is by design, just so you know. And, you know, of course, breast mass is highly dependent on having normal levels of body fat. So the way I want you to picture it is... 18% 18% is ideal. 15% is just fine for that person who really wants to look lean and mean. And remember, I'm not really talking about the subcutaneous fat portion of this. The subcutaneous fat is the skin issue. So if when you're seeing cellulite at 15%, you're like, wait a minute, why should I have that? It's toxic fat. Cellulite is toxic fat. That's estrogen toxins. So you want to bind up those estrogen toxins with skin defense. It's fantastic at doing that. It might take several months. Your menstrual cycle will be thankful for it too. And you just want to think like more about just overall body fat content and stay between that 15 and 18% range. Now, what's different about glycogen storage versus fat storage is your body fat storage can keep going up. It doesn't have a limit. It's designed for the Eskimo in all of us where it's like, oh, you want to fatten up for long-term starvation prevention or for heating up your body because you're in a really cold environment. Totally, we're able able to do that. Body will comply. And that's about how much fat you eat in your diet every day. So I'm very much a believer in the 50% carb, 25% protein, 25% Fat model. Obviously you could dive into the proteins of fats. We won't do that here today. But my point is to say, if you eat over 25% fat in a day, you're likely to incrementally increase your fat content in your fat cells. especially if you don't have like an exercise routine and yeah, exercising every day will utilize fat first. If you're over your 18% limit and only if you're over your 18% limit unless you, and this is a little confusing, so try to bear with me. If you have more glycogen than your body's set limit, so let's just call it glycogen baseline. So let's say you're three pounds too much glycogen because you pigged out on sugar for the last week. That could cause a fluctuation in your weight, by the way. One of the biggest things that people get confused by in a ketogenic diet, as soon as they go on it, they're like lose five, seven, 10 pounds. Like, wow, that was fast weight loss. How did it happen that fast? My metabolism wasn't that much higher. How could that possibly happen? It's because you're utilizing your glycogen stores in your muscle. It's muscle loss. It's not muscle loss. It's muscle weight you're losing, not fat weight. And you say, oh, but Dr. Johnson, I was on that ketogenic diet for months. I lost weight for sure. Well, of course, it's always going to be about, well, how much fat did you eat during that time? How much total calorie content did you eat during that time? And once you lose your excess glycogen stores, your body will burn fat first. It's the most efficient way to keep your body energized and healthy. So that's where it gets confusing. If you have excess glycogen stores, you'll never burn fat. You'll constantly be, let's say you're a carb lover and you hardly eat any fat. And you're always cycling between 2 and 10 pounds of glycogen weight. And you think it's just fat weight, but it's not. It's your muscle weight. And so you cycle between two and 10 pounds of of glycogen weight. Well, you'll never touch those last bits of fat you've been trying to lose, that pinch that you've been struggling with on your belly or what have you, because you never got rid of the glycogen stores down to baseline so that your body then could start burning fat. Because remember, it wants to burn fat, but only when your glycogen excess is out of the way. So it's a little bit tricky and it makes so much sense when you start thinking about all these kids who are eating massive amounts of carbs but not putting a lot they don't look really fat well a lot of that has to do with how much fat they're eating so hopefully that made sense so when it comes to stubborn weight loss there's other issues like low estrogen causes water retention so you can have estrogen toxicity and you are prone to keep that water weight on and the only way you're going to get rid of it is pulling the estrogen toxins out of your body that's osmosis skin defense So That's a big one. The other one I wanted to cover on this, and I know I'm getting a little uh, long on this one, but the other one I wanted to cover on this was uh, where the microbiome plays a role. So I believe that if you have reached 10 pounds of excess glycogen in your body, so by definition, you're 10 pounds overweight on the scale, but you're lean on your fat weight, you wouldn't know you're 10 pounds overweight other than, wow, it seems like you're a little heavier than what you're used to when you have this much of a pinch in your belly, for example. So you're 10 pounds overweight cuz of glycogen. Your body actually will stop absorbing glucose. I firmly believe this. This is a working theory that I'm I'm going to keep looking through the research to find where it shows up in the studies cuz this is a new theory and I'm not heard from anybody. So I'm not sure they're going to be studying it, but I I think this is where your microbiome is related to diabetes. I think what's happening with diabetes is their glycogen stores have hit 10 pound max capacity over baseline. And now the sugar that normally would have been dismissed by a healthy microbiome, distorted microbiome, like, oh, I'll take that sugar in and you start getting more sugar in your blood. And that's why the studies that show by correcting your microbiome, you can correct diabetes are so darn accurate. Okay, so that's my explanation of the studies. I couldn't figure it out before. I kept looking to the mitochondria, and I was like, what's happening here? And what, I don't think insulin is as big a factor. It, it causes a distortion in the system, but it's not as big a factor as research. But I'm, again, I'm so early in it, I can't really address insulin and in the explanation of it. But fat. Fat is a different problem. If you don't get your glycogen stores down to baseline, you'll not get to the fat-burning phase. So that's why a lot of people with diabetes are overweight. They're having trouble getting down to that fat level because they're not able to get their glucogen but you also hear of a ton of people with diabetes where they start stop eating a lot of carbohydrates and they see they finally get down to it and remember it's sugar and carbohydrates carbohydrates break down into sugar so all carbohydrates are going to affect glycogen stores and as long as you're maintaining that you can burn fat pretty readily so that explains the ketogenic diet people get confused they're wondering why wait oh my god i lost 10 pounds And then they don't lose any more. I'm like, why am I not losing any more? Well, the answer is because you hit your baseline on your glycogen and you're probably eating a lot of fat as your alternative to sugar. So you're filling up your fat cells, but you're not able to. Well, anyway, but then you can also be on a ketogenic diet and have a very lot of fasting, you know, one meal a day stuff or eating really healthy ketogenic diet, of course that's going to cause weight loss on both the fat side and the glycogen side. But again, I don't support getting the problem with the ketogenic diet is you start getting below baseline and all of a sudden now your muscles are underperforming. I don't believe in that. I think you get your you get your glycogen levels to baseline and you all have to each determine what that is, figure that out for yourselves through scale analysis, through different fasting techniques whatever it is and then you work on fat burning and of course exercise and all those things are going to keep that weight off but again you got to remove the estrogen toxins get your hormones back to normal and then there's the other fluctuator which is toxic weight so salt is a classic toxic weight example if you and it's mainly bleached salt so most restaurants are using regular table salt horrible for you horrible makes you gain weight right away you know, you wonder when you go, oh, that, that's the other explanation. You wonder why it is when you're on a ketogenic diet and you just start to take some bite of carbs and boom, all of a sudden you're up a few pounds. You're like, how did that happen so fast? I didn't even eat 2000 calories. I just happened to eat carbs. It's because your muscles started to store glycogen, right? So this is how I get to my working theories a lot of times is to look at each scenario of why do people not gain weight here? Why do people gain excessive weight here? Why do they get rapid weight loss there? All those things. That's how I work. So back to toxic weight, I believe that two thirds of the toxic of weight gain in adults is toxic weight. And what is toxic weight? Toxic weight is when you eat toxic food and there's so much of it, you know, table salts, one example, there are all kinds of estrogen toxins that can go in to cause cellulite in different areas, but you know, genetically modified food is toxic. You can imagine all the different chemicals that we ingest, the body has to do something with them and it will put them in fat cells until your body can get rid of them. So if you don't ever clear the toxicity and you keep eating say fast food every day, then your body's just going to keep sending more toxins to more fat cells. Your fat cells are going to get more and more swollen and you may even eat 2000 calories a day, but you're gaining weight because you are increasing your toxin weight. And so the secret to that is, of course, detoxing with things like skin defense. Of course, cleaning up your diet, drinking lots of water. And water's a bit tricky, you know. I I think drinking twelve eight-ounce glasses a day for someone about my weight, which is 170 pounds. Makes sense, but it's going to vary depending on did you have caffeine? Did you eat a lot of sugar? Did you eat a lot of salt? Like sometimes you actually have to take the water in to allow the salt to pull out and the salt's not going to all dump out at once. Your body's very carefully managing your bloodstream and all the chemical balance within it. And so it's one of the reasons why a lot of people make a mistake when they rehydrate and they're like, oh, I make sure to get all my hydration in, in the morning. So while I'm working out, I have four bottles of water. And so I'm getting what I need for the day. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, you really need to divide up. Maybe you take, uh, you know, 500 mls, half a liter of water, typical bottle of water, one an hour. And yeah, maybe sometimes you can get away with a bottle and a half, two bottles, depending on your size, but- That's the fastest way to pull salt out of the body and get your weight down because salt weight, that's instant too, right? You eat a bunch of salt in a meal. You know how it goes. Go to Mexican food. Boom. You wake up the next morning like, how did I gain two pounds? I didn't even eat that much yesterday. Salt weight. Well, how is it going to come out of you? Well, it's going to come out of you slowly over time, but with the right hydration strategy, it's going to come out faster. Now, the toxic weight – That's a whole other issue. You might have to be on skin defense for a while to get those toxins out, but your body is trying to get it out. If your liver's healthy, the more healthy your liver is, the more healthy your kidneys are. Your body's assessing the health of every organ and determining how quickly it can dump these toxins, and it doesn't want to push them out and hurt you. So... That's why a lot of people have this retention of toxic weight because they never stop eating. A lot of people eat frozen foods and they're like, oh, at least I'm eating this healthy, very carefully planned out meal plan. No, frozen foods are full of all kinds of preservatives and toxins you don't want to eat. Fresh foods, folks, fresh foods. So I covered that pretty quick. No, I didn't. I covered that pretty over quite a bit of time, but... I'm really excited about this working theory. I think it's dead on. So there's three ways to lose weight. Remember that. You want to get rid of your excess glycogen stores. You want it so that you can burn fat quickly and easily. You want to exercise daily if you can, but three times a week at least so that you can increase your you know, metabolism, metabolic activity, so that you can burn more fat for energy. And remember, when your glycogen stores are at baseline, your body will kick in that fat burning and just what we always hope for, especially because I'm trying to get to 6% body fat and I'm finding that last couple of pounds has been really hard and I'm just learning why, because I never let my glycogen stores get down to a place where my body will prefer fat burning first. Coming soon. I'm I'm kicking on it right now, by the way. Okay, we're down to our final phase of my last two signs of aging that we want, what procedures to avoid, what really works. So let me just think about procedures. There was anything that people are doing. I talked to you about not necessarily lifting free weights and the weight gain. Oh, yeah, so taking, so here's the thing if you take a stimulant, you know, for your weight loss, what it does is it causes water weight to go out. Well, you don't necessarily want the water weight to go out if, because it traps the toxins in the fat cells. And if two thirds of your weight is fat, you don't want speed stimulants, things like that to do it. Other people take LASIK. Well, again, uh, you know, there's, you can, you can get rid of the water in your body, but the water is not the problem. The problem are the toxins that are causing the water to retain. So if you dehydrate other tissues, you're not going to get rid of the stubborn fat cell volume that's there. And, you know, fat cells are purposeful. They're a detox organ in our body. Your fat literally is an organ. It's controlling your hormone balance, and it's controlling your toxin balance. And so they're critical cells. In fact, if you go get lipo— your body's going to replace those fat cells there or somewhere else over time, usually within six months, according to the research. Why is that? If you destroy your fat with freezing it or melting it with heat, your body's going to replace those fat cells. So it's because fat cells are so critical to your health and your body wants to have that, a certain number for your DNA, for your design. And so I'm not a huge fan of liposuction or the freezing or melting of fat, but you know, the spot treatment here or there may make sense for your body type. But you just got to be careful cuz they can look bad afterwards and there's hard to fix that problem if they oversuck an area or or create some sort of a an adhesion where the skin sticks to the, the muscle wall in an unusual way. It's not ideal. And so yeah, I don't like uh, diet stimulants. I don't like those processes I did design a machine called Osmosis Sculpt, which detoxes the fat. I also have a product that's still got a few months left of called MELT that helps detox the fat. So if you want to know more about those, you can certainly email me. The Osmosis Sculpt is a procedure that some of my customers have. A machine that does it does a really nice job um, using microcurrent to trigger detoxification of the fat. But what I've learned with both MELT and that system is if you're a toxic person, your body's not going to release those toxins. Even though the microcurrent might push the toxins out of the cell, you're going to repopulate those toxins if there's no organ that's healthy enough to handle it. Anything else in this category? Endermology and devices that you sort of vacuum and massage to push uh, fluids out of fat cells. That's Okay. It's okay, but again, the same problem exists. You got to get rid of the toxins or the water is going to come back into those cells. And why is there water with the toxins? Well, it's a kind of a protective pillow around the toxins, if you will. Okay, jumping into epidermal changes. Number two on the list of top 10 signs. So we have in that category, texture changes, dryness, pores, and spots. So one of the things, if you haven't heard from me before, listen carefully, Exfoliation is not a practice for healthy skin. Exfoliation removes the protective lipids of the skin. It increases your sun damage. It increases dehydration. It increases environmental toxin penetration. And it exhausts your skin. Remember, your skin is struggling to keep up that 30-day cycle as you get older and older. That's why your cycle slows down. It's struggling. There's a nutrient shortage. And so exfoliating forces increase to turnover But that increases the nutrient shortage. It doesn't do anything to address that problem. This is why osmosis' serums oftentimes contain niacinamide, liposomal-delivered niacinamide, so we can reach the dermis so that we can cause the skin to increase circulation in the area. We try to work on increasing new blood vessels in the skin. That Part of that process, of course, applies to the lines and wrinkles, number one on our list, but it also applies to epidermal changes because your epidermis feeds on nutrients that come from your dermis. It doesn't have its own source. Believe it or not, the epidermis does get oxygen from the atmosphere. So it gets its oxygen when it needs it, but it doesn't get the other nutrients except from which that which the dermis shares. So you want to take it easy on your epidermis. It's not to blame when it slows down. It's slowing down because your immune system is beleaguered or your nutrient load is diminished in your dermis. So what else is on epidermis? One of the most common things to occur with aging is age spots. And with age spots, what we see is... The skin protecting itself. So what's underneath an age spot is a wound. And that wound comes from repeated UV damage typically. And so a lot of people use lighteners in order to try to lighten the pigment, but they don't address the underlying problem at what's called the dermal epidermal junction, the DEJ. That's where the the chronic trauma happens. That's where the unhealed wound triggers this cloud of melanin above it it's all purposeful all melanin in your body is designed to protect you never think that it's about some rogue cell overproducing which is what the textbooks say and we've proved this because we use a DEJ repair agent which is our rescue we use that to fix the DEJ so that the body stops making too much melanin on the surface Crazy but true, the H spots go away more permanently rather than temporarily with fading agents that are suppressing this protective response. So I've done talks before on this a Deeper Dive. Um, I'm not going to go too deep there on that, but just to let you know, it, we do treat H spots. That's rescue or epidermal repair serum, and it works fantastically well. Now, other spots can occur that are more deep. In other words, you can have dermal inflammation And then you're talking about liver problems. So liver spots, I believe, come from the liver and melasma, which is a spots kind of equal larger spots on both cheeks or forehead or what have you, upper lip. Those are from liver and we have protocols for those. So just know the osmosis has protocols for liver spots and melasma, but the main one for liver spots is going to be the new Regenerate coming out soon to accelerate liver repair. But for melasma, the main one is called immune activator. The thing is with melasma on the surface skin, which is an increasing problem, it's typically caused by hormones or medication. So you have to get off your hormones or medication in order to treat melasma and heal the liver. Pores get larger as we get older and especially in people with more sebaceous skin, meaning they have more oil glands or larger oil glands. But I've totally found pores to be linked to the microbiome as well. So you'll usually see enlarged pores in our skin mapping in the digestive zones, which is really interesting. And I do find that people who love yogurt, the weird thing about this, this pasteurized emulsification process in yogurt is does seem to increase pore sizes in people. So you might look into that and recovery, again, is a good solution if it comes to that. Texture changes has to do with volume losses, which we'll get into here in a second in the dermis. In other words, if your skin loses its muscle density or it loses its fat pad volume, then it'll start to collapse down. And when it does collapse down, you'll start to see sagging and you'll start to see your texture look more accordion like because it used to push the skin out. And that would stretch the skin a bit. And then as the skin pulls back and it gets sun damaged, it tends to uh, get these texture changes. Well, we address that. We address that with Rescue Epidermal Repair Serum by healing the DEJ, which is part of the texture change problem. And we address that by improving the volume of the face. Okay, then finally, dryness. Dryness is about uh, your epidermal lipids, and you just don't want to be exfoliating your epidermal lipids. So no daily exfoliation. You don't want to be using uh, heavy cleansers like Dove soap or some over-the-counter bar soaps. You don't want to be using alcohol toners or any uh, acids that you wipe the face with that might wipe away any lipids, because that's going to cause dryness. What also causes dryness is lack of omegas. So Taking recovery internally can help with dryness and also getting your estrogen balance restored. There does seem to be a hormonal link to dryness. So again, taking skin defense to get your normal estrogen levels up, always a good idea. What I would avoid, microdermabrasion, of course, because that appeals away lipids and stratum corneum. So that's going to increase dehydration acids. Uh, Retinols in general are not good for aging. It's a misunderstanding of the retinol system to think plain retinol is effective at stimulating collagen. It does not. What it is effective at is exfoliating your skin and causing inflammation and even causing DNA damage. So I'm not a fan of retinols other than our retinaldehyde, which is stabilized and used in microdosing because it's so potent. And then peptides, I'm sort of on the fence over for epidermal changes. You can get some plumping with peptides. So that does help some of the conditions we talked about, but it's temporary. As soon as you stop it, week or two later, all the peptides have moved out of your skin and the benefits are gone. So I try to focus on long-term, more permanent solutions to epidermal changes. And finally, drum roll, please. Lines and wrinkles, number one problem with aging, the most focused on problem probably. So let me first just talk about what I think is a no-no. I'm not a fan of trauma, guys. Like I, I think this concept that the skin makes rejuvenating collagen in the face of being burned is wrong. It makes replacement collagen for the, thing, for the collagen you burned with the laser, with the acid, with the ultrasonic device I'm not a believer in those. The side effects to them can be very serious and dangerous. And I don't like, I get a lot of cases of people like, I wish I'd never done that laser procedure. They're always looking to make it less. They're like, oh, but what about a really gentle laser? Listen, a laser is a laser. It either burns the skin or does nothing. And so, yes, there are Chinese devices that claim to be, or that are lasers by definition, like a laser pointer is a laser, but that's not going to burn your skin. That's not going to cause collagen. It's not going to do anything rejuvenating. IPL, kind of in the laser category, intense pulse light. Again, this one tends to collapse blood vessels. That's not what you want. Part of the reason you have lines and wrinkles is because you're losing blood vessels at about 1% a year. So by the time you're 50, you have 25% fewer blood vessels in your skin. That means 25% less collagen activity, 25% less skin turnover, 25% reduced capacity to heal sun damage, 25% fewer growth factors and nutrients needed to keep your skin young. So IPL tends to shut blood vessels with, with the wavelengths it uses, and I don't like that. I don't like Botox because your muscle girth is part of what creates volume in your face. In fact, your muscles are a pretty big part of the facial volume. And when you keep poisoning them with Botox, they shrink away down to maybe 10, 20% of what their original state was. And they don't do that nearly as readily with age. So Botox to me causes a weakness, causes collapse of the face over time. So it's ironic that it's oftentimes used to treat facial collapse when if you keep using it, it will literally collapse your face. Not to mention the research study that shows when you inject Botox in your face, part of your brainstem gets damaged every time. Does that scare you? Because I say that to kids today who are like 20 something, saying, oh, I'm getting Botox to prevent wrinkles. I'm like, oh, please, please, somebody. Someone's got to stop the madness. Yeah, if you're doing Botox, if you're doing Botox for migraines, I would tell you I have a better solution. Write me at at drbenatosmosisbeauty.com. Retin-A, Retin-A is the number one prescribed topical for collagen and wrinkles, and it's clinically proven to thin your dermis by 18% in one year and up to 30% over five years. 30% of your papillary dermis thins because you're applying a collagen-stimulating retinol. How could that be? Well, again, I don't have time to go into the depths of it. In this one, I've done it before. In other podcasts and in other instalives and in other classes. But bottom line is, retin A is toxic to the skin when used from the surface. Retin A is meant to be made for immediate use. It's not meant to be floating around in your skin. There is no storage of retin A. So when it floats around, it sends mixed messages to the wound healing and collagen repairing activities. So your skin ends up collapsing from lack of collagen repair, even though it's constantly being told to be, make more collagen. Like it's, it's ironic and crazy, but the, the studies don't lie. Filler, I'm on the fence with. I think it's it's hard to get it right. It's hard to maintain it right. Seeing some close-ups, I won't name names of some movie stars I haven't seen in a while on the screen, and they're all lumpy. You get lumpy, you know, and they spend a lot of money keeping the lumpy from looking lumpy, but fillers can last 10-plus years, and so some of them dissipate, some don't. You start getting lumps I don't believe they're building collagen in any way. There's no long-term benefit to fillers, so I'm not a big fan. You could do a facelift or threading. Threading, I think, is kind of a waste of money because it's a pretty traumatic experience to have. I actually tried it, and none of the effects of the lift that occur from it hold. So it's totally temporary, and it can leave lasting damage if done in, in the hands of the wrong person. So not a fan of threading. I did threading because I thought I talked myself into the idea that, oh my gosh, osmosis topicals are so good at stimulating collagen that if I pull the platysma up, which is what you're doing with threading, if I pull the platysma up, I can trigger enough collagen with osmosis products to, to sort of grab hold of that platysma. And that's just all hogwash my brain came up with. It doesn't happen. A facelift You know, there's good ones and bad ones. Kind of just depends on what you're trying to do. But yeah. And I'm not against uh, blepharoplasties when that skin gets really damaged and saggy. I think blepharoplasties can be a very positive effect on an aging skin. LED, a lot of people ask me all the time, well, what devices are out there that really work? You know, microcurrent's temporary. LED is temporary. I know there's studies from NASA that show LED stimulates collagen But my take is it stimulates collagen because of the increased circulation that the heat creates. So it's about the heat and not some magical wavelength. Now, there are some wavelengths that generate more heat than others. So typically what you're going to find is those wavelengths are in that chromophore of targeting. Well, that's not exactly true. But I think most of the benefit here is heat. There's no long-term gains from it. I saw it. I tested it for a month. I was like, wow, over a month, I saw my wrinkles get better for sure. But those results went away. So again, it's okay. If you you have the time to spend doing it, that's great. You know, you can also cause heat damage, by the way. Like I don't think lying in an LED bed for 30 minutes is good for the skin. It's not going to help the lines and wrinkles long-term. Okay. So let's get on to what does help lines and wrinkles. Well, you got to stimulate collagen in a healthy way, a holistic way. And how you do that is you feed the skin. You got to restore the blood vessels of the skin. So we focus a lot on something called angiogenesis or growth factors and or ingredients that increase new blood vessel formation like chlorella is amazing for that. We use a ton of chlorella. And then we uh, do uh, maximize collagen activation without hurting the skin. And the only vitamin A that does that is retinaldehyde. Long story short, retinaldehyde, the only vitamin A that's not going to cause... DNA damage, the only vitamin A that's not going to cause thinning of the skin. is not going to exfoliate your skin and cause more sun damage or dehydration. And it's non-irritating. has a very low inflammatory profile. And we use very small amounts because it's so potent. It's as potent as retin-A in the research. It's amazing. So that's retinaldehyde. you got to have that as part of your mix. Of course, it should be stabilized and liposome delivered. And we're the only ones in the world with stabilized liposome delivered retinaldehyde. That is the ideal form to keep the DNA damage away, to get the penetration up dramatically. And so building collagen, part of the network. But believe it or not, 80% of your facial wrinkles is related to fat pad losses. And this is where I'm super excited. We have a patent pending Osmosis recovery, it's the same recovery that you use to replace your microbiome, but if you take one tablespoon twice a day, it provides the exact fatty nutrients to replantify the fat pads that decline because of sugar and alcohol. And so it doesn't do all your fat pads. It doesn't make your subcutaneous fat, doesn't make you more lumpy or cellulite or any of that. It focuses on the facial fat pads. It focuses on the breast fat pad. If you've lost fat pad in uh, pregnancy or breastfeeding, it focuses on that. Does the the butt shelf, I like to call it. It does fat pads in the extremities. But I'm talking about the marbled fat that gives you volume and strength. I'm not talking about the fat that is all saggy and loose and lumpy. So it's really incredible. It works fantastically well. And on the facial fat pads, we can get maybe as much as 80% restoration of your fat pad, which is awesome. That's what I recommend, our vitamin A serums. You also have our vitamin C serum. Like most people, vitamin C doesn't do much, right? You can put it on your skin. It causes actually some plumping. But if you stop using the product, it goes away. Well, our vitamin C literally reverses acne scarring. It literally repairs broken capillaries on the face. It's uh, just an amazing wound healing unit. And we did a clinical trial on it. And it caused 110% increase in elasticity. Like I said, 64% reduction in facial capillaries. It's just phenomenal for the skin. and, And so that's called Catalyst AC11. Also repairs DNA works on actinic keratosis, like it does all these crazy good things. And then we have our rescue, another critical piece of the topical regimen. It's not so much for wrinkles, rescue is more the epidermal changes, but just about everybody needs it over the age of 40. And then stem factor, our growth factor serum, which has over 600 different growth factors and peptides, and it's phenomenal at helping. And we've got clinical trials, again, showing how effective and safe it is. So... We're very well researched. We're very well studied. We have a very unique holistic philosophy. You can see we covered quite a bit here in these two hours of conversation. And we're really just trying to address all those things that bother you as you get older. With each decade, each of these things seem to become more stubborn, more challenging to treat. And osmosis uniquely addresses the source of these problems, inside-out approach. The only topical skincare I know that creates permanent change. The only internal wellness that actually targets the specific causes is some of the most challenging aspects of getting old. And some of this, if you're not familiar with us and you're like, "Ah, that just sounds too good to be true, check out our before and afters at osmosisbeautygot.com. I'm going to start being able to post some of these fat pad protocol before and afters soon, and you're going to see. It's really Something I'm excited about. I'm going to follow you the whole way as an MD. I am uh, here as your medical advisor. Uh, try not to take too much advantage of that. Some of you guys write me a lot of emails asking me about everything under the sun. Let's try to stay focused on the the problems that are, you're finding most challenging because I have a limited amount of time to do a help everybody. But I will help everybody, and that includes you. So, Doctor at osmosisbeauty.com, every Thursday on Osmosis Beauty's Instagram page at Instalive podcast coming out once a week this is episode two of the top 10 signs of aging what procedures to avoid what really works so i hope you enjoyed it you'll hear me next week (laughs) take care i hope you've enjoyed this episode of ask dr ben please leave a review if you can And subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com, and you can find me on Facebook at Osmosis Beauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at Osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening.